Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric and Ratma here with Michael Kester. Hello, I'm here. We're watching somewhere between like 15 and four movies today. It's a Killapalooza. We've made it to not only our 700th show, but what feels like our 700th Killapalooza. And uh, what better way to celebrate that than to undermine everything you stand for and do a series of anthologies. So that's right. All four current VHS movies will be covered in the next 60 minutes. That's we've got the clock this started. Feels it like feels one like one of the those Queen's model Gambit. Movie theorists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We went different. This feels like some sort of squid-based yeah. Netflix <laughs> series we're doing here. Yeah, I don't the know. The Squid's Gambit. What I would like to do, let's see if we can set some basic rules really quick before we dive into this. I would like to try to hit every single one of these if we can. We're not always going to get the directors and writers. I mean, there's IMDb. Everyone on here, I think we've talked about in some way, shape, or form, some extensively before. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how deep we can go and keep it under, under an hour. Yeah. Fingers fucking crossed. Well, if you want to hear about those extensive conversations from the likes of, you know, so let's just, I'm going to do a quick highlight reel and it's not because these are my favorite ones. It's because they're the ones on the top of the list you sent me. <laughs> um, there's Ty West showing up in here. We got Adam Wingard, obviously. There's um, Nacho Vigalondo, big fan. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, literal friends of Double Feature, even though they <laughs> forgot they are. Um, I mean, these are... That's all my friends. These are, <laughs> these are the people who we're going to talk about. And if you want to hear us cover maybe Your Next or The Endless or Resolution or The Raid or spring spring every I mean, fucking movie by every filmmaker on here of, exactly um patreon.com forward slash double feature that's got the entire back catalog of this podcast which spans back 700 shows plus 15 years of content some of it good so <laughs> highly recommend going to patreon.com forward slash double feature kicking some shills into the can so that you yourself can go back and verify that these are in fact people we have once spoken about as we are claiming. Have 100 times spoken about. I don't believe how many of, uh, of some of these filmographies and even the people I didn't know who would show up in here when they did show up, I'm like, oh yeah, I know you. So that was nice mm -hmm. um, seeing a lot of familiar work. And what's really cool about that is if you've, uh, if you've heard some of those shows or if you know these directors, it becomes a fun guessing game as you watch to go, mm, the style feels familiar. I wonder if this is Nacho. You know, you say things like that. Sure. Can I tell you about one of these movies in particular? Sure. The movie is called The Guest. Now, before you're worried that this won't be uh, flagrant self-promotion in some way, I assure you, Michael, it is. <laughs> I've released a documentary. Yep. I shot a documentary about The Guest uh, it's called Light and Fog, named after some pretentious French joke that nobody gets but me. So if you get that, you know, kudos to you. But I talked to Robbie, the cinematographer for The Guest, and we did this really extensive look at just the fucking cinematography for that movie. And uh, Second Sight put it out on their disc for The Guest on their new 4K. So look up, if you want to see it, it's just on the disc. Physical media only this year on Double Feature. That's is it, it a steelbook? Because I can't be bothered. <laughs> I'll add an additional weight on your copy. If Thank it's you. not, I'll put a little, <laughs> I'll tie a, a rock to the bottom of it so it's a little heavier. Perfect. Yeah, Thank anybody you. who wants that, you know, send me a, a self-addressed stamped envelope and I'll, add a, I'll put a rock in it for you as well. The reason this thing deserves, if you haven't seen The Guest... If you've seen The Guest, you probably already know this, but the reason this thing deserves a full fucking documentary just about the look of it is, I mean, think back to when this movie came out. Like, this is uh, Adam Wingard's movie. We'll talk about him real soon here. And 
this really this was pre Stranger Things. It was pre. It was basically pre every movie that now just cops mm-hmm. the Carpenter score, sure, and the sort of Jalo lighting and the gels and yep. You know, Adam was doing that stuff real early. You see it even in his uh, in his Death Note. I feel like that style had not been pulled together in such a big way, and now you see it fucking everywhere. So you can go back to the movie that really brought it all back. And that's The Guest. And it's on Second Sight. And I fucking put that thing together. So, you know, go check it out. That's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Well, watch more fucking film. And now we can start oh. with <laughs> Now we can start with VHS. VHS. Take me back to 2012. What do we want to do about log lines today? Let's make up rules as we go. There's a framing device sort of for at least most of these. So let's just do like a quick... We're going to talk about the meat of each short, so the framing device can be our log line. I mean, VHS is easy, right? I'll do VHS because it's the log line for the whole series. It's uh, it's a film based on a fa- literally found footage, a tape that was found, a VHS tape, and because of the nature of VHS tapes, things are taped over other things, and you actually end up with a series of stories that are all smashed together on this one tape is kind of the idea. And they're nefarious, and they have implications to the world in which the tape was found. Although we're talking about like upskirt videos, basically, that's the log line of the first, right? The first one, yes. And I also think it's funny. I mean, I really want to lean on the found footage part of it. Adam Wingard directs the wraparound for this. Simon Barrett writes it. We'll see Simon coming up a lot recently, and he just put out a, a movie seance this year. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. When we get to the first of these, they get in, they're looking at the the rack of TVs. The rack of TVs is going to become a big part of this. And when we get into the first one of these, Amateur Night, mm-hmm. I think it's funny that all of VHS starts with something that is, it's an eyeglasses camera. So it's probably on digital memory. Yeah. So right away, VHS out the fucking window. Right. We're on eyeglass cam. Right. And also, you know, as we get through what the rest of the series will be, this one is like, I think they shot this at five fucking frames per second. It might as well be like a, yeah. a stop mode. It's almost a challenge to walk. You saw these out of order, if I could betray your... Well, I mean, I saw them in order. I rewatched them out of order. Oh, yeah, Come yeah, on. Yeah. So you get back here. <laughs> one of my you... absolute favorite things, and you're right, it's bizarre that this is how it starts. The One of the most fun things about this series is that the people who are doing these shorts, the first one, um, David Bruckner, who uh, Southbound... And The Night House, which just came out, um, really good. Saw that literally yesterday. Oh, yeah, and The Signal, which we did on the show. Right, right. Um, so uh, the one of the most fun things, um, very much along the lines of the ABCs of death, is how are... And this is something that you and I often talk about with found footage movies because patreon.com forward slash double feature, found footage boner for 15 years. Um despite our best efforts to 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 quell the erection awful is trying to figure out how you're going to justify a camera being on for your story that's always one of the most fun things and this series makes it super fun because once the first one goes i've got google glass then the next short has to be like well fuck we can't use google glass right right um so this one is basically like you were saying an upskirt video. This is um it's a it's a group of the worst type of men before people were calling them out for being the actual worst uh trying to create homemade sex tapes using secret Google Glass which now Mark Zuckerberg has marketed to the public. So uh. it was ahead of its time in that way <laughs> and uh the big befalling is that the timid extremely creepily portrayed girl who they bring home from the club turns out to be even worse than she seems at the club. She's very creepy. And but you catch um, her right away walking by her. Oh, dude. The acting's yeah. all in the eyes. It's fucking great. I love yeah. her. She's one of my favorites from the whole series. 100%. This is definitely, and, and it's great too, because, and we'll talk about him later. This one is one of the ones that got spun off into its own film which was directed by Greg Bishop, who directed something later on in VHS. Everybody's related. Yes. We're all fucking each other. It's a big camera orgy. Is this Siren? It's Siren. Oh, I didn't know that's... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I think the reveal's really good in this. 
But I think we have to talk about Second Honeymoon. Discipline, Ty West, Second Honeymoon, <laughs> House of the Devil, Innkeepers, Ty West. Yeah, so good. Second Honeymoon is cool because it uh, stars Joe Swanberg also, which mm-hmm. is uh, fucking weird. So we're seeing another hotel room. You know, this is getting me thinking about like, how are they putting these things together? Mm-hmm. But they're also making a lot of use of their locations in this. Yeah. So we're starting to see like genuinely scary. Like, is somebody going to fall off a cliff? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of mystery to it. You know, yeah. how- There's a Zoltar. You know that I'm on board <laughs> if there's a Zoltar. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of wondering like, is this the sort of movie that buys a Zoltar or do they just go out mm-hmm. in the world and go, okay, walk around and there's touch every cool There's a Zoltar on Santa thing. Monica Pier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. So you're kind of venturing around trying to find it. Yeah. And also a clever, you know, little twist on it. I really feel like 24 minutes on every one of these, but what about Tuesday the 17th? <laughs> it's hard doing this. <laughs> Big um, McQuaid. Do you have a one-word log? Let's do one-word log lines for these. Which Glenn, ones? Glenn McQuaid. Glenn, Glenn McQuaid. McQuaid. Yeah. <laughs> this is the VHS scanner man. Yeah. I mean, this is the the one the log line here for me is five days after Friday the thirteenth or four days after Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Where it gets removed and removed and removed to the point where it is so meta that the person, the the killer exists solely on tape and not IRL. This is like a little slasher thing where a girl has been haunted by, I like Scanner Man. I'm going to call him Scanner Man. Great. That'll be the name of the, the full length when they tap you to do that one in a few years. <laughs> um, the Scanner Man, you know, she's, but, but this is like sort of, it's, it's, it's again ahead of its time. This is the Halloween uh, 2018 moment where he's been plaguing this one final girl for so long that she's finally fucking ready for him. Yeah. Despite the fact that she's not ready until he slaughters all her friends one more time. Yeah, I think it's funny that you, um, you know, you mentioned Halloween and we have to kind of explain that whole story to people. We sit them down from scratch and give them uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character's arc in that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas this is one of those moments where you see, oh, this is made by VHS obsessives. This is made by people who grew up in that era. Like this is a meta conversation movie mm-hmm. for people who've already thought about, well, what, what could a slasher be? And um, what's a take off of that? And then that gets boring. And they're like, what's the take off of the take? <laughs> and a lot of times that just develops into stuff people don't even fucking understand. Right. You know, the, the writing gets too crazy. Right. But I think... Uh, I think this one creates a genuinely original and interesting thing. It's already, this is the kind of concept that would be pretty fresh if it were in VHS 94. And here we are in the first VHS and we're already seeing like, really, somebody who's going, shit, I'm the third one of these. I got to really have something unique. People have seen it all before. I mean, that's the thing with all of these is that, by there's there's so much um, by by the nature of this being all in people who are in the same sort of group, they enter this echo chamber that people like you and I and a lot of Podmanity out there listening all identify themselves with people who know their, these people's backgrounds. I mean, the next one, uh, sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Just talking about the incestuous nature of this movie. Uh-huh. Joe Swanberg, the actor from two shorts before, is now directing with Simon Barrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it, it's literally just a it's it's a fucking it's an orgy of people fucking one another with their cameras and ideas. And I think that that echo chamber, the fact that nobody gets to sit there and goes, "What the fuck are you doing with?" this story, this doesn't make sense to a normal person, that's out the window. And that's what makes this whole thing really fun. Yeah. And it allows you to get away with the kind of fucked up shit that goes on in this in in this one where she's like digging around in her leg with a knife. <laughs> just casually you can't, too. Just yeah. so casually. Like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to put my finger in this. Yeah. Like, and he's like, hmm, I don't really know if that's a great idea. <laughs> you know what's funny too is when you get to the turn on that, all of these have little twists in them. Uh, of course. Which is interesting. We won't see that forever in the franchise, but it's also very much like of that era. I see a lot of 2012 in this. Mm-hmm. What's cool about that is you're watching it, and to me that read weird. It read like, this guy should be having a much bigger reaction to her, you know, fisting this wound in her arm. Right. But later, when you figure it all out, you're like, oh, yeah, he he doesn't want to raise any alarms. He's like, 
that might not be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you shouldn't do it. Right. So two things about this. One, talking about being ahead of the curve, early desktop horror. Right. You know? Right. And they don't do anything with the UI. We're not we're not um telling stories through text chat or anything. Mm-hmm. But we are sitting on a desktop and I'm not sure that had happened before twenty twelve. We'd have to we'd probably have to right. check with Nacho, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> to really get the years uh, on that. But the other thing I was going to say is since we're talking about Joe Swanberg, you know, we have talked a little bit before about Mumblecore movies, which uh, mm-hmm. actually I think the best one, we talked about a very early SpectraVision movie, mm-hmm. Toad Road. Toad Road. And how people were managing to get horror movies done at very inexpensive levels, but not exactly doing Blair Witch things, doing something a little more narrative. Mm-hmm. And in the dramatic and kind of uh, in the the comedy, I don't know, community circuit, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. Joe is a, a name there as somebody who acts a lot, writes, directs, you know, appears in a lot of these things. And so really what we're talking about with these groups of people is I saw somebody call this movie in a review. They called it uh, Mumble Gore. They talked about mumble these gore. as Mumble Gore people. Yeah, cute. So it's cute. you know it's kind of these different packs of filmmakers who are cross pollinating. Very Man. similar thing. Love that. Yeah. Okay. Ten thirty one ninety eight. A radio silence written and directed film. Yes. Radio silence. We covered pretty recently. For, oh yeah. What was the name of it? Ready or not, that was earlier this year. Yeah, Ready or that's not, it. that's yes. it. That's it. <laughs> wow, this is really fucking hard. It's so dense. What I love about so this is the you know nanny cam, really funny. That's a great costume, right. right? So now we're like we're getting in really deep at the how do we stick a camera in here? I don't know. Go as a nanny cam. Yeah. The effects in this, and this is going to become such a. They're going to figure this out as they go along. I think that like go big with the effects is how you get the coolest stuff out of this. Yeah. But it's a really effects heavy one, especially after a bunch that were, you know, when you think of um, the order of these and like Amateur Night was based around a single reveal, a single effects reveal. Mm -hmm. Although it has some effects in it, but like Second Honeymoon is pretty grounded. You know, these aren't terribly blood heavy. So when this one starts laying it on thick and then the place it ends, it's just such a good, devastating fate kind of, uh, we recently talked about the bad ending, you know, Mm -hmm. about the mean ending. Such a cool way to go big and it really kind of, I don't know, foretells things to come in what was not called SVHS, but instead 2013's VHS 2. VHS 2 is great because it's a sequel to an anthology movie and um, it's one of those things that didn't have to be better. It just had to be more. Yes. But it is, there was a grasp that was gotten somewhere during production of VHS 2012 that is very clear in VHS 2. Uh, A worthy sequel is what they would say. In the uh, in the rags, yeah. So Simon Barrett directs this time. Mm-hmm. Our wraparound. I just want to get straight to the. Okay, we're finding tapes. We're putting in tapes. This is where we'll start to get the like tapes are cursed. Tapes are causing you know bad things to happen. Right. The first one of these is Phase One Clinical Trials. This is Adam Winger directing and starring in it. And Simon writing it. I mean, come on, starring. Come on. You mean doing voiceover <laughs> and in one scene? Uh, he's in a couple of these. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much okay. of this is him. I do think it's cool that like, one of the things about him starring in it is it calls my, and I think it was supposed to be somebody else originally. So it's not that it's definitely written with this in mind, but it does call attention to how much of these you know, if your equipment is going to be like purposefully nerfed and you're probably not going to pay a ton of attention to lighting, mm-hmm. a big part of this is going to be, okay, effects and trickery. And there's there's lighting in there too, but it's composition. Like that's what you're doing to try and make it gorgeous. You're trying to really nail stuff in the frame to just have these gorgeous kind of comic book compositions. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing a lot of first-person shooter compositions, and that'll kick up more and more as we go on. 
but it's sort of the like ninja hand sneaking in from the side of the frame. The walking up to the mirror just reminds me very much of first-person shooter stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, This is uh, obviously Hannah Hughes, who I did a Let's Play with some time ago. It's... um, she is uh, the one who drug me to VHS 2 for the first time, the only one that I had seen in my introduction to this franchise. Right. They had worked together previously on a movie called Pop Skull and actually a couple movies. So they had some working history. And uh, I think it's, once again, like a clever upping of the first. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the first one and the first movie is Glasses. Put a whole fucking eye in there, and what, there couldn't be a better, you know, a better metaphor for what these are going to do. And I think the jokes and stuff in it—it it just really earns this movie a lot of good favor. Mm-hmm. The um, I love seeing alternative characters and all his stuff. You know, his character has the fucking jelly hot topic bracelets, mm-hmm. and Adam's done that. I mean, you know, the guest has that, and a lot of Adams in movies have these kind of like Arkansas goth. Uh, kind of characters, <laughs> Alabama goth characters. Second one is, okay, so that's like Bionic Eye. That's my log right. line for that. Sure. My micro log line for a ride in the park is Zombie GoPro. Zombie GoPro. Zombies on a bike. Yeah. It's definitely, as far as um, high concept, it's one of the highest in the franchise. It's really just like one of those moments. Um, the reason I say zombies on a bike is because much like the uh, the other thing that I'm obviously referencing on a plane, the whole movie is what if you're on a bike and zombies, and then you you just get to first play with sort of how that plays out, and then you get, of course, the very exciting bike ride through a zombie apocalypse, which is cool. That's just a cool thing to see. You know what I like about this one is you get a couple of these like existential moments, mm-hmm. a couple like like. So what we're watching is a zombie become a zombie. Mm-hmm. Go from one of our human characters to what is his life like as a zombie, which is not something that I can recall seeing for as exhausted as zombies have become. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you kind of do one or the other. It's usually you follow a character until he becomes a zombie and then he's out of there. See you later. Right. Or they do the land of the dead, the zombie has feelings situation. Yeah, which you meet that zombie and then you're just you know, checking in on him. He's yeah. a character in the movie. Yeah. So I like <laughs> seeing someone turn. I also uh, love the moments of just like turning to a window and sort of like, oh no, what have I become? Before like another, you know, I forget what the chef t-shirt is. What's the fucking, the like kiss the chef. Before another gag, before something else funny. But this is Eduardo Sanchez from the Blair Witch Project and Greg Hale, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I mean, you know, names that you want. If you're going to do one of these, you you go like, what have those Blair Witch guys been up to? Street cred for sure. And this is funny because it's double duty for Adam having done these first two VHS movies and then would go and do the Blair Witch remake. Mm -hmm. But I think the best moment in this for me is there is a, when the guy gets up, you see in the shadow, in the sort of haphazard run-and-gun shooting uh, filmmaking shadow, you see the helmet with the GoPro on it, and it's just a great like reminder, uh, because you're watching it all in first person, right? So a lot of times you miss the absurdity of your central character. You forget he's got a bionic eye, or you could forget she's missing part of her head. Or these these movies never allow you to forget that. Mm-hmm. So they check back in, and you kind of get in the shadow of the GoPro. So you realize because the joke of it is like zombie with a GoPro on his head is really really funny, right? And you don't want that to be lost. I'm getting lost. Transition. Safe Haven. Safe Haven is either my number one or tied for my number one in all of VHS, which is no surprise because in addition to uh, a favorite, we'll see return, um, Timo Chanjanto. How'd I do? I mean, I have uh, no idea. Great. The night comes for us. May the devil take you. Those are my Timo checks. But also... Great filmmaker. Gareth Evans. Also great filmmaker. <laughs> Gareth Evans, 
Um, somebody who I absolutely adore. Uh, on your notes here, I, I have your notes in front of me. Uh-huh. It says Raid and Apostle, which is super cool that you named that. It's very mm-hmm. nice of you. You missed Godzilla, which I'm ashamed of. But uh, just absolutely um, one of my favorite working filmmakers. He has a series uh, right now that you still haven't watched, despite my telling you to watch it. What series is that? Gangs of London. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. So that brings us to Safe Haven, a uh, vice-like documentary about a real actual cult. Yeah, and kind of reminds me of stuff that Ty West would work on later. Yeah. With, uh, what's the fucking name of that movie? The Sacrament. Yep. Which is uh, one of my favorite, Mm -hmm. they're all my favorite Ty West. But Every Ty West movie is my favorite (laughs) Ty West movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to love in this. I think that, so this is like the, the cult one. That's Cult will be my logline for this. The guys that move in unison in this, just the imagery, the fact that we come back to the group of guys that moves in unison and they all suicide in unison. Yes. is just like one of those little moments that you could build to in a film. But this movie, it has a feature's worth of ideas crammed into it. That's And that's it just the go, thing, go, go. That's the thing I like the most about Safe Haven is that it is by far, and this is no slight to anybody else, by far one of the most ambitious pieces in the entire franchise and it executes it literally perfectly so much of the screaming nurses so much imagery and it it's it just, fits in this dramatic story about this woman she, so whatever good. if you saw it you saw it i don't want to right start breaking down plot for it but i feel the natural pull to do that because of how much is jam-packed yeah. i'll also say these last two when i saw it in a theater Obviously, I was less jaded. I was less thinking about how effects are done. Uh I'd seen less horror movies. I think I know what you're going to say. Scared the fuck out of me. Scary as fuck. So scary. When that thing crawls out of her, the fucking size of it, I just can't believe it was wedged. I know I'm looking at an effect shot, but my eyes are just like the physics. I can't, it's so massive and I so don't want it to catch up with our main character. It's awful. The good news is once that's over and you feel like you've gotten out of the woods, you haven't because slumber party alien abduction happens, which is um, Jason Eisner, hobo with a shotgun, turbo kid, another fan of this guy's work. This is a, it's a, it's sort of like just, it's just the last 20 minutes of the greatest alien movie ever made. You know, you get like that one sort of moment where the aliens in the water, which you go, what the fuck was that? And then after that, it's just an inescapable dread as a truck horn full of aliens chases you through the woods. Yeah, the sound was so frightening. Yeah, and I also think it manages to be kind of violent and, I don't know, mean might not be the right word, but very, um, you know, you've had, especially after this. It's cold. Yes, yeah. After Safe Haven, it's like, how are you going to top the gore, top the amount of blood, top the, just the headshots uh, all throughout mm-hmm. this movie are some of the goriest fucking headshots I've ever seen. Just brutal, brutal stuff. And so, you know, you attach a camera to a dog, which uh, mm-hmm. probably makes most people like tense from the, so sad. the word go. So sad. But it's also endearing and cute and funny mm-hmm. and like the kind of weird playfulness to it, mm-hmm. to just the characters antagonizing each other and then just the worst stuff happening to them. <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the polarizing VHS viral. This is the one that... Um, this is the one that split audiences. I happen to be in the, this is tied for my favorite VHS movie, so I'm super down with it. But uh, this is, this is uh, it says viral because now we're, we're allowed to do digital stuff, I guess. VHS vibes was already taken, so they went with viral. I think that's... Vibes, right. <laughs> sure. This, is, this one's for the kids. Um, you know, for, for all kids. you youngins out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we start in Vicious Circle. That's the wrap around. Right. Marcel, how do you pronounce Marcel's last name? Sarmiento. I got it. Did uh, Totem and Dead Girl. Yeah. Movies you might have seen. So there, there's a pretty extensive wrap around in this one. It's like, yeah, this, this is, this is the one where and, the, yeah, this is the one where the framing device is actually this whole thing. Yeah. It manages to be a whole short. The one thing that, 
was going to make me really sad about the framing devices. I thought they had a great icon in the rack of monitors. Yes. And I was like, well, as long as the wraparound has the rack of monitors canonically, like that's all I, you know, that's my slasher rule for this Killapalooza. Mm-hmm. And they do get there at the end, which is like yeah. a nice reveal. Yeah, surprise. Surprise. A nice reveal there. of something nobody but me cares about. <laughs> but right. I'm like, oh yeah, of course that's what's in the truck. Dante the Great is Greg Bishop, who I mentioned as being the guy who ends up directing Siren, which is the full, the feature length version of Amateur Night, which is the first full short in VHS. Nailed it. Uh, Dante the Great has, uh, while being a um, very fun entry because it really just gives me like evil Penn and Teller vibes, which I'm down Uh for, uh does confuse the fuck out of me in that I can't figure out how in any way it's found footage. And I almost forget that until about halfway through when there's the big, um, the big cloak fight and they're flying across the room. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the documentary crew that is filming right. his interview. Right. Um, this is probably, look, I'll, I'll give it to you. This is the loosest with the uh, where the fuck are these cameras coming from <laughs> rules. You knew we'd get here. I'd almost be disappointed. This is going to space. It's like, where's the camera? I don't know. They go to space yeah. eventually, you know. <laughs> it's our going to space of the franchise. Yeah, the cloak is cool. I love the story of a guy who's like wants to be a magician but can't. And then he he discovers this right. unholy relic, basically. Sure, right. Parallel monsters. Nacho Vigalondo. I knew the second I saw the machine, man. Oh my God. It's the machine. And the. I'll tell you the other thing though, that's like a dead giveaway, which is really bizarre. Um, this is something that is like, it's reserved for very specific filmmakers, but the, uh, the overall look profile of the lead character mm-hmm. is a dead giveaway that this is Nacho Vigalondo. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, but he's, he, he so regularly casts people who look just like him as the main guy. Straight out of time crimes. It's so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Nacho Vigalondo, uh, Colossal also, which is one of, honestly, it's like one of the movies that I have to tell people that they actually need to see more than any other movie it's like this this absolutely criminally underviewed movie yeah. and then open windows another absolutely criminally underviewed movie which you mentioned as possibly being the first found footage movie to use the, you said desktop, desktop screens this has yeah. laptop screens too oh well look at that <laughs> yeah and um actually let's uh give a quick shout out to puka the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Just look, I'm not going to spoil Puka if you don't know what a Puka is, but go ahead and look that up. Love it. God, Nacho. Love this I guy. think Nacho is one of the, uh, the all time horror people that doesn't have household name status, but is just turning it fucking killer work all the time. But, you know, I mean, that's mm. true of a lot of these guys. Just yeah. fantastic stuff. You see it in his short, it's inventive in very strange ways. Mm -hmm. So when they bust out this machine and everything's the same and he really does it to the point of like, I get it, man, everything's the same on both sides. Where could this possibly go? And the second they are out of each other's like line of sight, that's where it goes like just terribly wrong. Yeah. And it's so awesome. Yeah. Just the path it takes and it's like, it's mysterious in a way and then it's, you know, it's almost like Cronenbergian or something. It's just really fucked up in, sure. in ways where you sort of feel like, oh my God, they're going for it. But you also get, to, it also wraps up, I'm not going to let you switch yet. It also wraps up uh, with that same like painful parallel where it's like, anyway, we both got out of that universe and our wives killed each of us. So I guess everything righted itself. Yeah. Bone yeah, storm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really give a, I think Nacho is my log line on that. So yeah. I guess that'll be, yeah, that'll be it. Um, what Bonestorn is, is uh, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. It's the skateboard one number. This is, this is tied for my favorite entry in VHS and it gets, it might get extra bonus points for being called Bonestorm, which if you don't remember is the violent video game, Bart Simpson isn't allowed to get in the Simpsons. 
I will give it extra points because it contains numerous songs by the rapper Cage, yep. who is just like my favorite. And I feel like the, uh, yeah. oh, I think was in spring too, if yeah. I remember right. Um, when, uh, when I watched this for the first time, I tweeted at um, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead just the word syphilherp and they responded. <laughs> so they definitely- yeah, Okay, just checking in, you know, checking the temperature yeah. on that. <laughs> The vision for this is so good because it's like, okay, we have this sort of like nomadic, you know, I guess Mad Max is probably the quick go-to that you do on that, but it's, you know, it's demonic. So it's like Tijuana fried demonic meets skateboard mm-hmm. video. How there hasn't been a skateboard video in VHS yet. It took oh. three installments. That's crazy. The thing, well, this one's for kids. Uh, the, the, the skateboard video is also super good because up until this moment in VHS, everything has been taken. All of these events, every event in every short is taken very seriously. Yeah. Maybe the least of which in clinical trials with the robo eye, but still very seriously. This is the first time where your narrator, uh, the, the people carrying the camera are uh, dicking around because they're a <laughs> bunch of punk kids. And so even at the height of peril, they're joking, which just makes this literally the most fun one to watch because it's just funny the whole way through. Uh, and the stakes keep raising, but it doesn't like lose the fact that these are just dumb kids that can't possibly fathom how high the stakes really are. I would also like to give this movie credit. You know, you have a lot of different old shoddy cameras in these movies. You know, it's kind of funny. Like the the exact amount of time has passed where... In 2012, I wasn't into VHS. Like I said, Hannah had to drag me to VHS too. Mm -hmm. Part of it was I was just starting to learn filmmaking. Right. And the last thing you wanted is to to turn something in that looked like a VHS movie. Right. And the other thing being, well, I was going to say the other thing being that you just don't like anthologies. I that's true too. I I have to tell you, it's such a fucking blast watching these. It was great. It's because it of, it's like, because you're on TikTok now. <laughs> you're right. It it nails the attention span. <laughs> yeah. So maybe part of it was the, like I was scared of the anthology thing, and part of it was just like, oh my god, ugly camera work. Get it uh-huh. away. Like I'm trying to uh-huh. I'm trying to piece together how to make cameras look good. Flash forward to now, and I look back, and I'm like, oh, these these aren't just default camera looks. These are now looks to be obtained. This is style, right? Mm -hmm. Because this isn't just what every camera on a shelf looks like. In fact, no camera looks like this today. Right, you have to work to make it. Yeah, yeah. And to various degrees, as the movies get newer, they look, different shorts look less VHS than they did, you know, at the, really in the origins where even the ones that weren't VHS were like really bad early digital and that's the style. So I don't know. That's a big takeaway for this whole thing. I won't dwell on it too much, but I love how they managed to capture the individual moments and especially that early 2010s look. I say all that just to say, Mm -hmm. because we're applauding offensive camera, I will applaud Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. I know they shoot a lot of the stuff themselves. I think Moorhead has been the cinematographer on a couple other movies. (laughs) So kudos for having the most aesthetically offensive camera work in the fucking GoPro pointed inward on the helmet directly at the eyeballs. Mm -hmm. I just, there's going to be a gore effect in my home just watching this. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, also quick shout out to Gorgeous Vortex, which is the name of something that was apparently cut from VHS Viral. Mm, Bummer. And thusly cut from our show, VHS 94. VHS 94 is fun. Uh, one thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to be a little bit of a downer. Um, it took four movies for this uh, sausage party to realize there were no women involved. Very true. Um, so shouts out to VHS Viral, for, or shouts out to VHS 94 for correcting this right off the bat. We have Jennifer Reeder directing the wraparound. And we see different people come and go on this franchise. This is the first one without Roxanne Benjamin. So before we totally move off of the other movies, you're right. You're a producer right. that showed up on all three of those mm-hmm. and uh, and should be credited. And there's a lot of people on the crew. Again, look at the IMDb's, the people who worked on these movies. It's a crazy amount of talent. So yeah, Jennifer Reeder does the wraparound and Chloe. I think Akuno. 
That's you just got it's just vowels and, so, and consonants, man. It's not too bad. Yeah. So <laughs> this is Storm Drain, uh, writer director of Storm Drain, the first one, which yeah. is, uh, I don't know, the rat person. That's my log line. It's the rat moth. Really fun. The, the thing about the, so, so you, um, crucified me by saying, by letting everybody know that I watched these out of order. And that's because I watched this within moments of it being released on Shudder. Um, and then went back and watched the other ones, um, for the show. And, uh, it was funny because it had been so long. If you, if you look at the, the timestamps of these, VHS 94 came out considerably later than VHS virals proximity to the previous two. So with storm drain, I'm basically like, I'm watching storm drain going like, I don't really remember the vibe of VHS. Is this like, is feels like, is this the right vibe? Is this like a little cheesier? And they get to the point where I'm like, Oh, it's a little cheesier. And then it like, turns the screw like one mm, more full mm-hmm. turn and I'm like oh no this is fucking scary again great I love VHS <laughs> the creature design in this I cannot believe it is so good and it's so, so you know <laughs> it's got a little of that Geiger inspiration which is cool yeah but that's not it the thing that I really fucking love is that it's a it's sort of a rat creature from the front and then when you get in there, you know, it's just the rat design when its head is down. Yeah. And it's got a creepy little face that's its actual face. It reminds me of how they used to do the old ape suits. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. probably still do where like a human head and an ape head is totally different. So the mm-hmm. the head had to kind of be built onto the face slanted. So your your head is tilted all weird. Right. I don't know why I'm making this second person. You, when you go in this ape suit for the end of the show, your head's going to be tilted weird. So, you know, just from like an effect standpoint and a, a sort of a person in a suit monsters, I think it's a really, really cool fucking monster. And just really, cre- I love everything about this. It gives me uh, REC feelings. You remember REC? Yeah, it's it's sort of like hybrid uh, REC. And I, I, I don't know, I think it's probably because of the broadcast elements, but I got some Pontypool going, which if, if I got oh, Pontypool yeah, yeah. going, I'm on board. <laughs> two movies we really love, two early ones yes. that we really love. Yeah. And then we get, we should uh, shout out the little commercial that appears in here. Very, uh, <laughs> if you want more of those, I don't know how we could get through this whole thing without talking about VH. Yes. Oh, yeah. People should yeah. see, which I think is Cute. entirely actually filmed on VHS tapes. Yeah. Which just has tons of that kind of, you know, quick blips of things taped over and all of those gags. The next one is The Wake. Mm-hmm. Empty Wake. The Empty Wake. Simon Barrett. That's right, Simon Barrett, yes. He's back. Uh, the Wake is my log line for it. There you go, now you know which one Great. it is. Yeah, it's it's the one where the, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have your first night at the job uh, situation, except the job is an overnight funeral, which is really awesome. Oh and yeah, then, of course that's Simon. That's director and yeah. writer, I'm sure, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, the reason I remember that is because this one stuck out to me as particularly meaty in the kind of themes. Yeah. And you know, it's just the stuff that it's playing with, but I love that it is, you know, because it's someone new at the job and somebody who is, uh, we believe, dead. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this like beginning of a thing, end of a thing. It has some, it has a little bit of poetry to it. Mm-hmm. And I also felt just with the style of how it was directed, and you know, maybe this is just me, but it seemed, it kind of had a, um, it seemed like kind of meditative. It seemed a little somber. Sure. You know, we're sure. spending a lot of time like alone with this thing in the room. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of a bottle movie in the same room with a embalmed corpse, there's just something very like heavy about its presence. And then it gets scary. So double points. Even when it shows up, you know, it sort of just hangs out. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of chasing. There's not a lot of jumping towards the camera. It's really just kind of, you know, she's there and so is this thing that she didn't believe was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as a new on the job kind of uh, plot, you're dealing with a lot of fears of the unknown, fears of like how, you know, she calls them to be like, oh my God, there's this thing. And they're basically just like, no, it's not. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, the fear of the monster in here is the same as like the fear of having a new gig and trying to be on top of it and know what you're doing. I just, I don't know. I feel like it kind of has, um, it has like metaphorical meat to it that I really like. Yeah, it's definitely dark. It's very dark without being horrific, but then it's horrific. Michael, speaking of meat. Oh, oh man, the subject is so much fun. Timo's back. Uh, you'll remember Timo from um, previously too. on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also he did um, The Night Comes For Us, May the Devil Take You. Um, I got to give props to this guy for this particular entry in the franchise because it didn't occur to me until I saw it juxtaposed against the rest of the shorts in VHS 94. But why... Don't American audiences love techno gore like Michael loves techno gore? Because I'm watching this going, man, like we had Tokyo Gore Police, we had Machine Girl, we had Robo Geisha, we had Tetsuo, and they're all over there, and none of them are over here. And Doom 3, Doom Remake, Doom Resurrection. Yeah, we have all of that. <laughs> I just feel like it's, it's, there's this whole genre that has never really taken root in American soil, yeah, yeah. which is like, with the exception of Hellraiser 3, which is if you like connect people to technology, you create literally the worst thing in the world because the two worst things on earth are humans and technology. So imagine if you combined them. They also happen to be the two best things in the world, which is crazy. Yeah, I'll make a little joke about Doom, but I think for anybody who, uh, I remember you know, being younger, seeing the first Doom movie and kind of going like, finally a first person shooter movie that's in first person. And then everybody was like, oh, Doom, you know, let down one scene in first person, whatever. This is the best first person mow them all down movie. <laughs> I mean, it is really, you know, we did have Hardcore Henry, which did, I mean, it yes. is a feature length first person in that way. God damn. But I, I just felt like, you know, I play a lot of the games that are really mm -hmm. meaty like this, really, um, right. I don't know, just gory. And this is so... You're talking about Animal Crossing. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. All those... I think I'm playing Pokemon wrong, I think is the problem. <laughs> I mean, now that I think about it. What am I supposed to snap in Pokemon Snap? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Just awful. So sad. <laughs> yeah, and the infusion of technology, I think, is what makes it feel like Doom, too. But it's all, all of the uh, just hybrid, nasty stuff. The uh, the sort of like kill me scenes of mm -hmm. people being pinned open and all of it. The anxiety of uh, of having low battery, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It goes so big. And yeah, I mean, I think it surpasses Safe Haven and just like sheer number of the, the blood gags and the effects and the fuck. There's just yeah. so much of it. And it's so nasty. And it's epic, honestly. It feels like I would hate to be the one coming after this. And yet, terror. Ryan Prowse's Terror. Yeah. Ryan Prowse, of course, who did Low Life, the film Low Life. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's fucking awesome. Um, we did that one on the show as well. This is the, uh, I don't know, military, the quasi, what, what do you call this? Militia group. Yeah, right. It's the In 94, January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exactly. January 6th prequel movie. Yeah, it's funny the the timing on this too because... You could watch it and forget you're in 94 because of everything that's happening right now. Like, this is also QAnon. This is all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it, like, seriously topical, but it's also very religious. And I thought that's funny because the sort of uh, single significant difference between the, you know, we're just talking about these groups of crazy people in the woods with a lot of guns. And the key difference between them in 94 and them now is now nobody's religious. Right. And so, you know, you don't see these, um, basically the young people who've replaced the people who were doing this in 94, the like Waco types and the, um, sure. 
you know, these groups that the FBI would go. Well, one, the FBI would go in and break them up. I don't think that happens anymore either. Mm-mm. Now the FBI is already there because that's the fucking group. <laughs> but yeah, the religion, you know, they've aged out of being religious. They've all been replaced mm-hmm. with younger kids. And this, this whole generation is thankfully non-religious. But their delusion is still there. It's the party. You know, like they worship Trump, basically, Mm -hmm. instead of Jesus or vampires or whatever the fuck this is. (laughs) I think the vampire stuff in this is so cool. And it doesn't, you know, it is the sort of mystery of it, but it doesn't lean on it. It doesn't, like, give itself enough congratulations at the end for what Mm -hmm. a cool, like, so they basically built bombs out of vampire blood because obviously vampires can't go in the sun. So they have this guy they can keep killing. Takes me a couple times of them killing him to be like, oh, this isn't a weird glitchy VHS thing or whatever the fuck. We're actually killing this guy over and over in Mm -hmm. increasingly mundane ways or with a a mundane amount of spirit, I guess. No gusto for murdering the same Mm -hmm. man over and over. But he's living, I suppose, because he's got the vampire blood. And if you have the enough vampire blood in you, then when the sun comes up, you're going to explode. So the weapon of this right. quasi-militant group is vampire blood. It's the from dust till dawn rule. So good. Psychos don't explode when sunlight hits them. I don't care how crazy they are. Yeah, and then to also have the Nosferatu-y kind of bit uh, hanging out in the attic. So fucking cool and really authentic too. I mean, some of these are filmed on what looks like VHS, some aren't. There's a lot of real, you know, I won't go through all the aesthetic problems of VHS, but like you have, one, it's low resolution. You know, maybe I will go through them. (laughs) It's low resolution and nobody wants, everybody wants to shoot a 4K fucking master. They don't want to, you know, nobody wants to show up and be like, our movie doesn't even exist in HD. Mm -hmm. So shooting something that has like this much aliasing and the way the lines break up and stuff and it just, yeah. the bright neon oranges when nothing else has color, the uh, shadows all turn to fucking mud, like really embracing the nastiness of this format. Mm-hmm. But it works because I'm not sitting there going like, oh, does that scan line overlay look authentic? I'm just like, if you brought me this tape, Michael, and you said, oh, this is a a little-known TV movie from 94, but it's pretty cool. You should check it out. And I watched it. I'd 100% believe that's when it's from. And so this is what I was saying about the effects. I guess we can close out on this. But I think the series is the best when you forget that they have any modern abilities or any of the little money they have. Mm -hmm. And you just see what looks like almost backyard filmmaking you know, what looks like what it purports to be, just something that was shot, found in the world, but the effects go big. So you have shoestring budget, no budget type filmmaking, and then you put work into the effects. You make great creatures, you make great wounds, you push the things you're willing to do in the movie further than you think, basically further than you think the filmmakers have the technical ability to do and it makes these effects read so well. This is a good example, but there's so many good examples of it throughout the series. That's when I kind of feel like VHS is at its best. We did and We it. talked about every single one. We have a website. Uh, that's one thing we haven't mentioned yet. That's doublefeature.fm. We have that other website, patreon.com forward slash doublefeature. Just about every movie we named outside of the VHS movies we have covered previously on the show. Go there, money, and then listen to those other shows. It's pretty rad. Um, that's where you can also become an executive producer, not unlike... Not unlike Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Joachim Vernon. Thanks for checking out Light and Fog on the guest disc on Second Sight's uh, website. And uh, check out that uh, if you need even more fucking stuff to look up. Let's play Alien Isolation. I did with Hannah Hughes, Miss Hannah Hughes. All right, so next time on the show, we're going to do something a little spooky, something a little culty, something that all VHS fans are probably uh, on board with at this point. Although it's really hard to tell what any, you couldn't, I don't know if I could pinpoint a VHS fans thing. But uh, next time on the show, we're going to do uh, a Nicolas Cage movie called Vampire's Kiss, which I assume is about vampires. And then we're going to pair that with a movie that I watched when I was 18 called Repo Man that all of you know about more than me. Uh, but I'm going to change that. So uh, 
tune up for some cult movies next time on the show and watch more fucking film. Bye.